welcome back to the Women of Web3 podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Ingram. I'm also the founder of Women of Web3. We're a community that's connecting women in the next iteration of the internet. We've got in-person events, Twitter spaces, this podcast, and we have a talent collective that you can apply to be part of. So you can get approached by Web3 employers about potential roles in crypto, DeFi, NFTs, and more. Today, I'm speaking to a fellow Londoner, Alia Amarat. She's a serial entrepreneur who's made her way up, starting with door-to-door sales as a teenager, and later building up to beauty salons and a training academy where she taught specialised beauty treatments and entrepreneurship for disadvantaged communities. So she's got a pretty cool backstory. She's now marrying up training for creatives with Web3 Technologies, and she started Creatorland, a learn-to-earn game for creatives to learn life and business skills. I love how she really understands how creative people think and how they learn, and she's building a product to meet that, and she was undeterred by a lack of technical knowledge. Today, we're going to hear stories such as an all-expenses-paid trip to Miami for a hackathon, and pretending to like dogs to be a successful saleswoman, and what she's learned along the way. Well, welcome to the show, Aaliyah. Could you start off by saying who you are and what you do? Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Obviously, my name is Aaliyah, Aaliyah Amarat. I am currently a podcast host for The Promising Pignon, um, where I speak to creative entrepreneurs about their journey to 100,000. So I talk to anybody within the creative industries, entertainment, arts, music, media, um, and tech. So heavily on um, Web3 and yeah, all things interesting and business related. So, or entrepreneurial related, the journey. Aside from that, I'm also the founder of a startup called Creatorland. And Creatorland is essentially an entertaining platform for creatives to understand life and business skills, um, for them to be able to continuously make money through Web3, through um, through their creativity, as opposed to having to get a nine-to-five job or a part-time job to sustain a living. So... Um, it's an entertaining learning platform. And the reason beca- the reason for it to be an entertaining learning platform is because most creatives, essentially, we don't learn the exact same way, say, an analytical person may learn or somebody that um, enjoys reading a book, right? So essentially being able to support a creative in the way that they understand is extremely important to me because I didn't do all that well in school because of that. However... Like I say all the time, I say it on my podcast constantly, I love learning, but I hated school. Um, so yeah, that's what I am, what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Actually, I want to come back to Creatorland and tell me more about uh, what you're working on with it. But before that, I just want to do my usual thing of kicking things off with a bit of a jargon buster. So I was going to get you to describe what is the creator economy in Web3? Right. Web3 right now is heavily based on creators. Everything within Web3 will be a mechanism for creative people to be able to make money, to be able to express themselves, to be able to have freedom um, and to be able to have ownership. And essentially, the creator economy is allowing creators to have ownership over their creativity, because as we know, in Web2, as it currently stands, if I say this all the time as well, if you put up an account on um, Instagram and you take hours and hours creating pictures and videos and all of this stuff on Instagram. And Mark Zuckerberg decides, "Eh, no, don't like your account no more, just going to delete it. That's it. Everything that you have worked for, those hundreds of thousands of followers, those millions of followers that you've worked for over the course of 10, 15 years, maybe gone. Just like that. 
So all of your brand deals, everything, your leverage is also gone. So if your leverage is gone, you can't make no money. You are now not that creator that you was. And so restarting back an account is extremely difficult, as everybody knows, right? So yeah, Web3 and the creator economy is taking that burden away, essentially, because we're now able to dictate whether our account stays up because we want it to stay up, right? Like that's essentially a use case of what, um, what it can be. That's a really, really helpful explanation. I can also imagine this, like, uh, people suddenly getting more like, okay, I really get this now and I get my place in Web3. So thank you for that. So before Creatorland, you've had quite a long, illustrious career already. And like, you've done some amazing things. So you, at the start of your career, as a teenager, you were actually doing door-to-door sales, right? So how did that, how did that come about? Door-to-door sales was probably the best thing that I'd done for myself, um, because I'd done it for about 18 months. Um, I actually started the job because I left secondary school. Well, yeah, I left secondary school, but I also went to college and I dropped out of college. Because I dropped out of college, I didn't get no qualifications. I didn't get no A-levels, B-techs, nothing. Also didn't go to university. So my thought process on getting a job back then was very much, you're not qualified in absolutely anything, therefore you can't get a real job. I always had the gift of the gab. My dad never failed to tell me how much I had a blabber mouth and I could literally sell sand to an Arab. <laughs> um, so he was like, you should get into sales because he was originally a sales a salesman. And another thing was I had read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and the idea of working in sales allowed me to own um, own my income essentially, which basically just means... If I worked eight hours a day, I'm not getting a set amount. I'm getting the amount that I work for. So if I work hard for eight hours and I speak to 100 people and I sell to 50 people, I'm making money on that 50 people. If I don't work hard in those eight hours and I only sell to 10 people, that's my problem. So the control over how much I could make and the fact that I could make a lot more because I was in control of like my commission that drove me to sales like very early on because I was like oh I can work my way up in this or I can just control the amount of money that I make on a on a daily and weekly basis like if I can't be bothered one day then I know it's up to me and it's not somebody controlling and using puppet strings essentially so as a 17 year old I went into door-to-door sales which was a self-employed role um and I was selling Battersea cats and dogs home for anyone in London (laughs) (laughs) and bear in mind I absolutely did not like dogs at the time I was scared of them (laughs) oh my gosh and you're going in uh literally knocking on doors and saying do you want a dog um here's why (laughs) literally I used to go to them and knock on the door and say like I used to pet up their 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 dogs or cats as if they were my own and pretend like I love them and sell and I ended up, I basically had to, it was a, a Batsy Cats and Dogs Home, for those that don't know, is a charity. Um, and they take in rescue rescue animals and you either take on the rescue animals or you donate to them to try and support them and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I was selling the charity. I ended up um, becoming 
one of the youngest, most successful salespeople within the company, which then allowed me to build a team. So with a self-employed role like that, you the higher you get in terms of the more sales you the more sales you get, you start to build your own team. So you then you start doing like management management stuff. So you would go into all of the interviews and you will start interviewing potential candidates to join your team. Literally people that will sign up on Indeed or something, I would then have to interview them at 17, 18 years old and try to work out whether they can sell, give them a couple tests, then take them out onto the field and be with them the whole day and kind of train them in selling. Best thing I ever done because it built an extreme amount of resilience, right? So, you know, when people say like, you always get the, like, the door slammed in your face and you always continuously get no's and you have to be resilient. When you're in business, it's the most challenging thing to have your ego bruised by someone saying no to your thoughts, your business ideas, your creativity, to, the, to something like your baby. You spent so much time on this, it, this like love child of a business. And then someone turns around and says, no, I'm not going to buy from you. Sorry. It's like a complete mm. blow, right? So that knocking on people's doors, I'd knock on 70, 80 doors a day. And half, more than half would say no. But I would get anywhere between five to 10 that would say yes. And it essentially, yeah, it was like the best thing I could have ever done. <laughs> So I actually, re I actually recommend it. It's a grueling job because you have to be in every single element possible. Rain, sunshine, snow, doesn't matter. You don't work, you don't make no money. So <laughs> get to work in that heat, get to work in that snow, knock on as many doors as possible and you'll be surprised. Like a lot of people invite you in for tea and sit down and have a really nice conversation with you. And when you get to the old, old ladies, they're like, oh, come in, darling. And it's like, it's so nice. Um, so yeah, that was perks of the job. <laughs> Yeah. Well, okay. So that, that really built your resilience for your sort of entrepreneurship journey. Yeah. Um, you've had a couple of businesses between then and Creatorland. Do you want to tell me about those? Of course. So I, to be fair, I only actually had one business um, before Creatorland and that was Vividly Creative. And Vividly Creative was a, um, essentially what I originally wanted it to be at 18 years old was a kind of a creative hub um, where I could support different creatives in fashion and beauty and music and media to um, essentially learn to be fair is exactly what creator land is <laughs> um, what I wanted it to be was for creatives to be able to learn um, life skills um, through something that they already enjoyed which is exactly what Creatorland is 15 years later. Um, but what Vividly Creative ended up being, I ended up getting a qualification in like lash, doing lashes. And back in the day, nobody done lashes. Like this was like a, a new hot thing, right? And I was one of the first people to start doing lashes and brows and like semi-permanent brows and um, all of that kind of stuff. So I started doing clients. So I'd go on like creative, creative shoots and I used to always hate the makeup artist because they just never used to do a good enough job. So I'm like, forget this. I'm just going to do it myself. So I trained to do makeup and lashes and brows. So then every time I went on like a video shoot or um, like a photo shoot, I would do, I would do it all as well as do the creative directing. So anyway, um, from that, I realized that the need for creatives to understand different types of skills. 
and I decided then to start a training academy um, and the training academy I used to teach um, disadvantaged young people or mainly females, mainly young girls um, that were say single parents or come from hard, hard done by families or whatever it may be um, to learn how to do business and become freelancers and um, but through beauty. So that essentially, as I was doing that, I'd done it for about 10 years from the natural progression was I was freelance at the beginning. Then I had like a studio salon and then from the studio salon, I ended up getting an actual salon on like a high street um, where I carried on training and I carried on like doing treatments and things like that. 2019, sold it. Um, and I sold it because one of the, I talk about this more in depth on one of my podcasts, but my aim was to be able to mass like help the masses and I would I'm only one person right and the only way that I could help the masses or like teach the masses um was through technology so I was always interested in technology I was always interested in like game theory and how gaming could support young people in learning because they will retain information more and things like that so then the when the metaverse kind of started creeping in I was like oh immersive gaming oh a space virtual land oh um so yeah my web3 interest i didn't know it was web3 at the time um i just thought it was like i just thought it was like gaming to be honest with you and then nfts like and then i saw about nfts and i was like oh artists can make money from this so they can monetize more oh <laughs> um so yes, and then that was my beginning intro into um, Web3 because I was like, I'm not doing this salon thing no more. I'm not fulfilled, um, not because it wasn't great and not because I didn't achieve a lot. I did at a very young age and I'm grateful for that, but I didn't feel like I was able to support people's minds the way that I wanted to or what, the way that I envisioned 10 years ago. So so where does Creatorland fit in? So you said it was quite similar to your previous business and uh, but so using Web3 technologies. How, how far along are you in terms of uh, what you've launched so far or who you're working with or like what, what can you tell me? So there's a lot in the pipelines, um, but there's also a lot in the pipelines personally, <laughs> which will come out soon. But um, what Creatorland what creator land started off being was a it wasn't a, anything to do with metaverse or it wasn't anything to do with um, web3 it actually started off just being an app that i was able to an app that i was creating that i would have um kind of like entertaining um kind of business skills and like gamified business like business education right so it would be like how to negotiate but in a gamified version or how to how to sell in a gamified version how to um find your target audience in a gamified version for specifically for creatives because creatives need to see more color they want to see more like more sounds and all of that kind of stuff right so to be able to tap into that world first i was just going to create an app easily accessible, all of that kind of stuff. I started, I actually started building a prototype for that last year. Mm -hmm. And then made things harder for yourself with blockchain and virtual worlds. And literally I went onto a, I went onto a gaming trades mission in Malta, um, end of 2021. So last year, November, um, went onto a game, this gaming trades mission. And that was probably 
the moment that I was thrown in the deep end with actual developers and actual people that could um, take the concept of it just being an app into a whole new concept. The core is still to be able to support creatives and support young people in understanding life and business skills. That's it, right? That core's never changed. But the medium to get, make that come out into the world, that changed. Um, so then it started off being in gaming. When I went to the um, like November last year, it was like, okay, cool, this is going to be a game. And then as I went into the game thing, I was like, okay, the reason why I didn't actually want to do Web3, I knew about Web3 probably two, three years ago, right? But I felt inadequate and underqualified to even think about Web3 being a part of my business, right? So, mm -hmm. and I think that was really interesting because when I went to the game and trades mission and I, and I was kind of... Um, in touch with all of these developers, as I'm speaking my idea, they're like, this would be great in like a metaverse. And I'm like, I know, but mm, how do I do that? <laughs> like, where do I even start with that? I don't know anybody within the tech world. You guys are the first people I'm ever meeting. And as I'm kind of talking more and more about my, the concept and the idea, people are just like really helpful. Like, surprisingly I didn't realize how helpful the web3 community actually is right there as much as we think that it's quite closed off and I mean it is closed off because it is about who you know if you know someone and you're getting in then you're as soon as you're in you're in it's really like that right mm -hmm. but I didn't realize when you're in you're really in meaning that everybody will help you like whatever you need is just you just ask one person and they're like, oh, but I know that person or I know that person. It's really small. So um, the idea of Web3 only came around around December, um, December, January, as I was like immersing myself more. And I was like, okay, cool. The only way that I can do this as a non-technical person, as somebody that has massive amounts of imposter syndrome, I could read it white papers till I'm blue in the face. But there's a part of me that still doesn't actually understand because I'm non-technical, right? Mm -hmm. However, my business mind my entrepreneurial mind is like well no actually it doesn't matter if I don't fully understand it I will find somebody that understands it that can explain it to me or I know it enough to be able to communicate with somebody technical to create the business that I want to create and I had to really really believe that so then once I started to believe that I was like okay where are all the, where are these where are these people that's gonna like take on and for me to like validate my concept with somebody that's actually technical, I started going to hackathons. This is going to sound ridiculous, but I didn't know if I was allowed to go to a hackathon. <laughs> I mean, that would be probably my first question as well. You'd feel like you're sneaking in if you're not there to code. Exactly. It's like, do they think I'm just here for the free food? I'm not. <laughs> like, I genuinely want to do something. <laughs> so yeah, I started going to hackathons. I got introduced to Herdow. Um, and Herdal and one of the governors, Oyen, um, is the founder of Neo. Like, I mean, this girl is in every single one of my every single one of my podcasts because I talk about it all the time because it was she was genuinely the first person that just really allowed me. Like, she was that she was my in, and she called me one. Well, I actually called her to be on my podcast, and then she was like, "Oh, actually, whilst we're on the phone, do you want to go in Miami next week?" I, 
said, what? No, for what? Oh, my God. <laughs> she was like, yeah, all expenses paid because you'll be going as part of her DAO as a scholar. Um, do you want to go? And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> of course I want to go. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think I can probably make time to go to Miami, all expenses paid. <laughs> do you know, exactly. I was like, even if I didn't have time, girl, I'll make the time. <laughs> so, yeah, within a week, I went to Miami. Wow. And I was like, I immersed myself in this brand new world of Web3. Um, went to the Activate and Wormhole Miami hackathon. And it was the best experience. I, as a non and this is like my encouragement to people that are non-technical, right? My, I didn't know no one at all. Like, because Oyen wasn't going. So I, she wasn't going. She was just like, I can't go because I've got work stuff. So you go. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, jumped on a plane um, didn't know anybody didn't know who what to expect I actually didn't even have the accommodation booked where did you stay? Um, the first night I think I just randomly found one like something on booking.com but I probably booked it about 10 o'clock at night wow <laughs> so yeah um, basically put it this way nothing was stopping me from getting myself immersed in the world Wow, yeah, yeah. Um, and I found a few of the the Herdal kind of representatives. Um, she kind of obviously there was like there's a group chat. They they sent we done a cut like a introduction call before everybody left. So like when everybody gets there, you can kind of meet people and kind of jump straight in. However, I mean, not a lot of people are extremely comfortable with just meeting random random people that you've never met before. Me, on the other hand, I don't mind. I'll, I'll share a bed with you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't care. <laughs> Whatever to get the job done, right? So I literally, um, I called one of the girls and funny enough, she was, um, one of the girls was coming in from Berlin. But the time that my flight was to Miami, her flight, it wasn't the same one, but it was like a few, like an hour later or an hour before. So we was in Heathrow Airport because she had a connecting flight. It was in Heathrow Airport at this at the same time. And as soon as she saw me, it was like we knew each other for years. Really? It was just, it was, it was weird, but it was great. <laughs> um, and it just felt made me feel really welcome. And um her name's Lena. She's another, she's a gov another governor of um Herdal. And she just saw me, hugged me straight away. Oh my gosh, she sat down. We had a quick coffee before before our flights, and then that was it. I got to um, got to Miami, met her again um, at one of the hacker houses, and then I was kind of chilling at the hacker house, and then booked my own accommodation and went to my accommodation. That was it. Had the week there, loads of different conferences and like learning, like just enormous amounts of learning. Like I'm. I remember the first time I sat in one of those coding workshops. I didn't know what the heck was going on. Like, it was, I, I was just like, what is happening? They were talking real gibberish, but I sat there anyway. <laughs> I sat there anyway, and I learned what Python was, and I learned, bear in mind, none of it was beginner level, but <laughs> I picked it up. Um, and then a couple of days later, the actual hackathon started, which is what, 30, it was 48, no, 36 hours, you build a team of a maximum of five people. Um, you've got 36 hours to come up with a concept, to build out that concept. 
um, create a pitch deck for it. You have to then pitch it to um, the judges and the judges could be investors. The judges could be like different um, Web3 businesses that are have different bounties or like money to um, like little bits of money, 2000, 3000, whatever it may be mm. to invest in you or to, to give you as a prize. Um, and then I ended up building a team of five of three developers and one um, project manager and one UX UI developer. Nice. Well done. Thank you. We built out my first concept that I had for Creatorland, um, which was a game that um, it was basically a decision based game. But the decisions, the aim of the game is to stay in a, in the balance, like in the equilibrium of life and of like love and money. So in life, there's give or take, right? Which is, this is like the concept of what Creatorland is. In life, there's a give or take. Um, the more money you spend, the less your kind of happiness or your your heart's desires kind of drop down, right? But the more your heart's desires kind of lift up, the less your money comes in. Hmm. So in life is a give or take. You have to understand the give or take for you to be able to be okay with it and accept it, right? So it was trying to teach that, but through gaming. Nice. We ended up building it. We I pitched it, ended up winning. Did you? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, ended up winning. So that was my first hackathon, completely non-technical, didn't know no one, like all the odds against me, went there and won. Won it. Yeah. Which was brilliant. It was a great validator for me. So I came back and I was like, yeah, that's it. I'm Web3 guru. Like I am <laughs> the one. Obviously, I'm not, so don't hold me to that. But I'm way more equipped than I thought I was. And it was like that little piece of evidence that I needed to say, do you know what, you can actually do this. Um, which is something I say about belief all the time. Like, you don't just believe from thin air. You don't just say affirmations and automatically start believing like shit. You don't do that. You have to evidence it. And those little pieces of evidence that you understand is, is the catalyst and is the thing that's going to, kind of propel you and move you forward to really genuinely believe in it in your heart and soul mm. um so yeah that's basically what happened that's I mean not that you asked about my way through journey just yet but that's what happened <laughs> <laughs> no but that was jump the gun <laughs> no no but that was perfect because you've you told me about sort of your uh light bulb moment and yeah you're literally your whole journey it has been a sort of complete pivot like I suppose like a, like a lot of us have like right now I'm you know fully immersed fully sort of pivoted to web three so actually I want to ask you other than uh, what you're working on yourself what else have you seen that you find interesting from a sort of creator point of view or like um what, what do you see as a sort of future for creators in web in web three? Oh, so kind of what I explained about the creator economy um what the potentials are right um, but one thing that I am really, really interested in is NTTs and Solon tokens. You're going to have to explain what those are. So an NTT is a non-transferable token and a SBT is a soul-bound token. Two slightly different things. Um, at the beginning, I didn't know. Found this out late, later down the line. I was like, oh, shit, I was talking rubbish at the beginning um but as you do most people in web3 probably don't know what they're talking about <laughs> until a few months later when everything comes to light like it's unfortunately because it's such a brand new industry and um mm. everyone's still finding their feet which is understandable and expected um it's 
it's a massive learning curve for everybody, right? And that's that's another thing that kind of gave me hope. I was like, when I was like in these hackathons and I'm kind of listening and learning, like I'm speaking to developers and they don't even know like everything. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. Non-technical or not, like we can all learn together, right? Um, but an NTT is a non-transferable token. So like an NFT, an NFT is a non-fungible token, meaning that it's a unique, um, a unique digital asset that can be transferred, meaning some you can take an NFT and give it to somebody else or sell it to somebody else and the, tr the ownership is transferred from yourself to somebody else, right? The, the difference between an NFT and an NTT is an NTT is non-transferable. That a digital asset cannot be transferred to anybody else, right? That's what an NTT is, but a soulbound token is, so an, an NTT as well, my, my, I should add, is something that you can earn, right? You mm. can earn an NTT. Whereas a soulbound token is bound to your soul legitimately, as in like, mm. it is yours. It's essentially your identity. So right now, um, obviously everyone has like keys, right? You've got public keys, um, so if you have like crypto, you could see, you could see how much crypto somebody has or whatever it may be, right? With a soulbound token, it's linked to your actual real life identity. Whereas an NTT is not linked to your real life identity. An NTT is still something that you can keep anonymous. A soulbound token, you can't keep anonymous because a soulbound token is legitimately like your um, say a passport. A passport can become a soulbound token. Mm. Mm -hmm. Passport can't be a trans. It's not transferable. Number one, and it's also it's also bound to you as a person, as opposed to any random person. Right. So, what about? Um, I've seen people talk about getting qualifications. Say, like when I don't know whether it's like your degree or something like that. Yes. Which of those two would that be then? That would be a non-transferable token. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, or it can, to be fair, it can be both. Actually, <laughs> technically it can be both, right? So it will, it will be a soulbound token as well. And the reason why I say that is because you are the person that earned that, you are the person that earned that degree, right? No one can take your degree from you, right? But because they are both non-transferable, you can't give it to anybody else anyway. You can't sell it on regardless, mm -hmm. right? But the thing is, if somebody, does, so like, you know how LinkedIn right now has like, um, you've got the you've got qualifications, but with, with, with like a LinkedIn qualification, it doesn't, it just says your score. Like your employer can only see your score. They can't see everything about it, hmm. right? With a soulbound token, you would be able to see everything about you as a human, right? Whereas with a non-transferable token, you can just see the fact that this person has a degree, but you don't see every, like the actual identity of the person. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> uh, I, th I think so. I think it's one of those things where you have to be told it a few times. Yes, of course, exactly. <laughs> because because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't familiar with NTTs, only SBTs. Um, we've got quite a lot of uh, acronyms and funny uh, terminology in Web3, don't we? And so what is it that you're excited about in terms of creators and one of those sets of tokens? So... What I'm really excited about is the fact that 
creative people can actually now have a something that can qualify them, right? We can create a new examining board with NTTs. Nice. And Sorban tokens. And this new exact, because right now in the UK, we've got Edexcel, we've got City and Guilds, we've got all of these things, but they are all heavily education-based and they are based on like hundreds of years of institutionalized teachings and education. None of which is specific to creatives. None of it is specific to where the world is going with technology. You can't get an Edexcel for being an influencer. Well, yeah, exactly. When I say a new examining, a new examining body, it's not based on your a qualification because you've done a test because creativity is... It can't be quantified in the same way, right? Right, exactly, exactly. So it, um, there is no specific education to it. Um, it's, it's objective, right? It's objective. It's not linear. It's not this is the right way and that's it. This is not how you take a picture and that's it. Right? There is technicalities to it, yes, but the beauty is an eye of the beholder. <laughs> right? So it's like with NFT, with NTTs and soulbound tokens, I feel like there's a massive opportunity for creatives to be able to be um, seen as intelligent. Right? And right now, creatives are not seen as intelligent, they're just seen as creatives which is why I kind of started The Promising Preneur. So it's all in line with Creatorland. Um, but The Promising Preneur is essentially to show the intelligence of somebody that's creative. Because somebody that's creative, a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of um, like extremely successful people are extremely creative. But it's like if you're a musician, like say it's someone like Beyonce or Jay-Z, right? Extremely creative human beings. Biggest artists in the world. However, they're always seen as musicians before they're seen as CEOs. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Right? They're always seen as entertainers first, as opposed to their intelligence. So I feel, I just feel like I'm, I'm not sure 100% how it can, how it will work, but that's exactly what Creatorland is um, hopefully going to kind of like pioneering, is being able to create some kind of examining body that recognizes creatives for their creativity but also teaches them the core business skills that they need to sustain a living through their creativity. And I feel like an NTT and a soulbound token is going to allow them to go to any employer or any person that they're trying to get a contract from or a freelance gig from and say, look, I'm actually certified mm -hmm. with this. And that will now be your certification to say, oh no, they're at a certain level that I can trust. That's cool. Yeah. Giving that, that, that credibility, that, that would be amazing. And, uh, I think it's I think it's partly as much needed, but I think you're also right that that innovation could be what what gets people excited and drives things forward. And it will also help with the actual creative's self esteem. Exactly, because then they because then they don't feel inadequate because they they're not I don't know analytical or they don't like reading or whatever it may be like. And I I say that because that was that mm. was my reality. I came out of school just feeling completely inadequate because I didn't get great good grades and a lot of like a lot of we're seeing it now a lot of young people get massively like massive anxiety attacks and stress at the age of 15 16 years old because they're sitting down to do a test that they absolutely like they, they feel like they're gonna flunk based on the pressure 
and a lot of them a lot of them could be young creatives that are extremely talented in art or music or whatever it may be but they're not seen for mm -hmm. intelligence with that they're just seen as essentially stupid because they didn't get the grades in that one test that they set yeah changing how creativity is is perceived and also you're right about the kind of people that are uh almost like written off as like not being academic or not being sort of good at school um in in theory that would be amazing um so so speaking of your learning journey are there any learning resources that you tend to point people towards or like other tips about web3 your podcast <laughs> um your podcast my podcast um my podcast is the promising penure um it's filmed so it's on youtube as well as it's on um spotify google amazon all of the audio places web3 specific education personally i would say go to as many conferences or in-person events as humanly possible um <laughs> Like if you can even make it to a hackathon, if you can be in in touch and get involved with things like her DAO, um, like the different DAOs that have amazing resources and amazing kind of communities that are all willing to really help. But the reason why I say go to as many in-person events as possible is because you learn so much with all the different types of communication, right? So as somebody is speaking to you, you pick up things in like through intuition. As somebody is um, explaining things to you, it's different than you reading a white paper mm. or reading a book, right? Even if you do like reading books, read all the books, do all of that. But that's not, obviously it's not what I do, so I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, go in and speak it to people where you're able to kind of question Right. When you're able to question somebody, somebody's thought process, because everybody is also still learning, it's like you end up picking up ideas based on what somebody else may say. And then you're able to question it and just be really open minded and curious, because regardless what anybody thinks, it, it could be three years, it could be five years, it could, it could be 15 years until this is like widely adopted. Right. But eventually it's going to become one of the things like Web2 and like social media. Before everybody knew it, you didn't know Facebook was being created, but you signed up for a Facebook account, mm. right? It just happened. The whole world just signed up for this new account. And that's exactly what will end up happening if you don't become curious now or like soon. It will just happen. And then you will just end up signing up to all these accounts and be like, oh, yeah, it's just a new thing. Thinking nothing of it. So, yeah, be as curious as possible and ask as many questions. Um, so doing that in-person events is just much easier to Im literally immerse yourself in understanding about Web3. Totally. I think that's what um, sort of fully switched me on to all of this as well. So lastly, where can people find you? You can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram. All of that stuff is my full name, Aliyah Amarat, and that's spelled A-A-H-L-I-Y-A-H surname a-m-e-r-a-t so all social medias and stuff is that and then the podcast is the promising preneur so like entrepreneur but promising instead of entree <laughs> amazing well um yeah i've really enjoyed our conversation um it's gone in uh, different directions than i expected it to but i really liked that so um <laughs> so i really appreciate your time thanks so much alia thank you for having me
This has been the Women of Web3 podcast brought to you by Women of Web3. If you enjoyed today's show, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so more people can find the show. You can keep up to date with amazing jobs, opportunities, learning resources, and connect with other women by following at Women of Web3 Co on Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. That's at Women of Web3 Co. So feel free to tweet us with any questions about the show, and thank you for listening. Thank you.